This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 170. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Riley is the man who shot me in the head today. <laughs> I am Jacob Paulson. That's the best one ever. <laughs> and, and Jacob is the guy who took all day to tell a stupid ice fishing story. I don't think it's stupid. <laughs> and I only took all day because I was interrupted every time I tried to tell it. <laughs> Uh, well, you finally got it out. Yes, I did. And actually, the story was better than I thought it was. I thought it was stupid right up until until the end. That's how most stories go. That's kind of the point. Story, the punchline's always at the end, right? No, 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 no. Good storytellers start with you know really catchy lead. I'll work on it. Okay, there you go. I'll work on the story. Please do. Speaking of catchy leads... Today is the episode where I tell all about the time I shot Jacob in the head. Stay tuned. That's a good one, right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that was pretty catchy. But first, today's episode is brought to you by a couple of very special sponsors because they made a lot of what, what we're about to talk about in today's episode possible. And first up is Brave Response. And many longtime listeners are definitely very familiar because you've heard these ads before. Today is going to be a little different in that Brave Response makes some really awesome holster products. So check them out. Yeah. BRshooting.com. Or you can find their holsters for sale on concealedcarry.com. Yeah. And use the, I think it works on the holsters, Podcast 10. Podcast one zero. We will make sure that coupon code works. Sure. I will make it work. 10%. Jacob's on. Yeah. So check out Brave Response. Check out their holsters. Really cool stuff coming from them, by the way. Uh, also, we thank Culper Precision, who has been a sponsor recently, who specializes in custom gunsmithing work. Whether you need a an RMR cut in a slide of your Glock or other pistol, Cerakote uh, jobs, hydro dipping. Uh, they're even working on some new triggers and things like that. So really cool stuff coming from Culper Precision. And we thank them for being a sponsor of today's episode. And also we want to thank Sig Sauer, who specifically Sig Sauer Ammunition, who has been a sponsor also in the past. In fact, they were a sponsor for a number of episodes, a string of episodes there actually. And uh, we thank them for making available very reasonably priced ammunition for us to, to do a lot of what we do. Filming, training videos, and things like that. Which is part of what we're going to get into today. That's a hint. Uh, today we're going to talk about some training video stuff that yeah. we worked on recently. Yeah, first a disclaimer. In case this sounds a little different, there's something you should know. <laughs> Remember, Riley, you're not supposed to laugh. The, here's what you need to know. It's 9 p.m., which isn't terribly late, but we are driving down a highway right now. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. Riley is driving. I'm in the passenger seat, and here we are in the pickup truck, and we are headed back to Colorado after completing some awesome stuff, which we'll talk about. But if you hear, you know, like a Harley go by or just the, the general road noise. Yeah, just the general road noise. I don't know. 
any of that. That's that's why. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> some of you may still call me out. Who knows? I am driving, but we have about an hour of basically straight highway. Yeah. With little traffic. Now, this is a hands-free operation. Riley's, yep. Riley's got both hands on the steering wheel. He's doing his thing. I do now. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now, he could have two hands on the steering wheel, I guess, if he chose chose. But, yeah, anyway. Point is, if it sounds a little off, it's either because it's been a long couple of days and or because we are headed down the road. Yeah. Another disclaimer. I'm still fighting this blasted cold. I'm starting to think maybe it's bronchitis. Or something. I, and that's why Jacob said not to laugh, because every time I laugh, I, it brings on a coughing fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be harder to edit out, since I, we're in the same I feel coming on. vehicle cab. <laughs> Speaking of which. <coughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Way, way, to, way to try and suppress it. We're, okay. We're, we're back. So, mm. let's talk about what we just got done doing. Yep. We, as you know, as a training company, in addition to providing in-person classes uh, across our network of instructors across the U.S., we also work really hard to have some online training. And that online training is available in various formats. Uh, we certainly have a huge library of training videos that we add to all the time. And those tra- that library is really exclusively available for Guardian Nation members. But in addition to that, we have some online courses, yep. um, which kind of you know, pick a topic and address those fully via online video. Those courses can be purchased and consumed, etc. And the last two days were spent... Uh, recording all the video for a new online course. Yeah, that's right. Um, we came out here specifically to Utah to, uh, to to shoot this course, you know, film it. Uh, and also we did some shooting too. Um, and it's it has been a couple of long days, uh, long travel days. I mean, we drove all day uh, Wednesday, was it? Yeah, yep. Wednesday to get out here. Uh, spent some time that, that evening working on some things, planning it, making sure we were ready to go yesterday, Thursday, spent all day filming, literally all day, uh, or at least we were involved in it all day. And then today we thought we would be able to finish it up this morning, and it ended up being all day. <laughs> That's right. So now so. it's a late night drive. <coughs> so let's talk about a little bit, let's let's stop burying the lead so much, Mr. I have to start the story with a hook. <laughs> let's, let's get into this. So what we spent the last two days doing is filming a, and we don't have a catch a name for it yet. In fact, you should email us and tell us what you think we should call it. But we've created a new course. It's all about basically vehicle gunfighting tactics. And yeah. that, uh, that, that, that encompasses a couple of different really aspects you know, related to the vehicle. Right, right. So, you know, we approached this from what situations would we be fighting, you know, specifically gunfighting. Uh, using a gun to defend ourselves uh, that all involve a vehicle. Now, there's probably some things we, you know, I mean, you could really open a can and go really deep on a few things. But we approached it from what would we do inside a vehicle and we've got a threat outside a vehicle, a carjacking situation or whatever it might be. What would we do if you had a threat inside a vehicle? How would you deal with that? Yeah, you're the Uber driver or whatever it is, and someone's behind right. you in the car. Yep. And longtime podcast listeners, you, you know we've shared some stories, uh, some justified stories, where we, where we had tech, uh, taxi drivers or Uber drivers that have had to defend themselves, or even pizza delivery drivers, which are kind of a similar situation. 
Well, have we um, offended all the Lyft people by just saying Uber? Ride-sharing services driver. Excuse me. Yeah, that's that's politically correct, Riley. Where's my beep button? Beep. So I only have that on the, yeah, on the computer. So, so shooter in vehicle threat outside a vehicle. Shooter in vehicle threat inside vehicle with shooter, but also you know shooter <coughs> outside a vehicle threat outside a vehicle. So the, in that case, the car is really just an object around which we are fighting and or using for cover and concealment. And then the, kind of the the final thought would be shooter outside a vehicle. My threat is in the vehicle. Right. And, you know, I'm shooting into the vehicle. So we kind of broke it into those, those kind of, you know, rough uh, pieces and attacked it from that, from that angle and went through it. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, okay, so I've got some experience with this. Jacob, yeah, a little experience. Uh, we, we knew what we were going into when we started putting this course together. But there were definitely some things that were probably surprising to both of us. Well, to be honest, like the crazy thing about this is of all the gun related training out there, this is something that's hard to get training on. If you're not law enforcement, if you don't have a badge, if you're not going through some sort of post certification course, if you're not. We don't even do that in post. Okay. Well, there you go. Most posts don't even. If you're not SWAT, if you're not in military, I mean, there's just, there's not a lot of opportunities to get this kind of training. In fact, I really wanted to study up. I was like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm not making any bad assumptions, that I'm not going to teach any bad stuff in this course, or that Riley's not going to give me anything bad. So I decided I'm going to go out, I'm going to learn all about this stuff. So I watched like every YouTube video ever. Half of it was, well, more than half of it was horrible. I mean, just real junk. There is some decent stuff out there on YouTube, but it's not very holistic, right? It's not a course. It's just like one little concept uh, here and there, a couple, couple of good videos out there. But I could not find a course, at least not an online one, that was really holistically talk about the vehicle. And so the research was much more difficult than I expected to kind of, you know, really come up to speed and make sure that we were, you know, we, we had all the latest and greatest in terms of techniques and ideas. It took a lot more doing than I expected, which really kind of made me feel better about the fact that we're putting this together and, and putting it out there. Right. Sure. You know, so, yeah, and actually I, I did want to clarify in case somebody does uh, – point out, you know, anyone familiar, any, any law enforcement officers out there. Now, granted, post uh, qualifications or standards can change from state to state, obviously. But uh, when I say we don't even do that in post, like, well, we definitely do some things with vehicles, obviously. Uh, we definitely talk about and train and learn about, you know, vehicles as they are related to uh, incidents, obviously. But, uh, but, you know, I've never in a law enforcement uh, post specific, you know, like handgun course or, or anything like that, um, shot into or out, you know, directly out of vehicles. And, uh, so anyway, the point is like what Jake was getting into is that it is so difficult to train this sort of stuff because there's not many places, locations or ranges or training schools that have the resources and the ability to, you know, Get cars and drag them out to a range and shoot them up. Yeah, you know, broken glass is just generally frowned on everywhere. Right. And and frankly, this is one of the reasons. A big shout out to our sponsors today because Brave Response, Gopher Precision. These guys, you know, they're they're both Utah based companies. And when we were talking about the premise, the idea of you know this vehicle tactics course and what we want to do, they're like, you know what, we got your back. 
We right. are on board. We recognize the need for this kind of training. Um, we think that our products could could you know play a role in what you guys are doing. And, and so, hey, let's do this together. Let's go slay this dragon. Right. And so Brave Response provided the range. They provided the vehicle. Uh, they uh, provided the glass. And uh, and then Colper provi- you know, jumped in and provided some additional resources and, and, and also including their own uh, custom guns uh, that uh, we used throughout the course. And that was, that was pretty fun and cool. And, uh, and then SIG, uh, we shot all SIG ammo, uh, except for a few minor, you know, miscellaneous uh, hollow point testing that we did. Uh, we, you know, int- introduced a few brands into that. But for the bulk of the course, we were using, I mean, we went through 1,200 rounds. Not all that was shooting, you know, into a car or anything like that. But we went through, you know, a couple boxes <laughs> yeah, of ammunition, yeah. you know, over the last two days. And it was a good time. And, and like I said, we learned a lot, uh, reinforced some things that maybe already knew or learned. And then, you know, there's always, here's the thing, shooting into or around or through vehicles or windows or whatever, uh, it's just, it's not a perfect science, Right. And that's really the, the important and key thing to understand is that the results can and do vary almost every time you do it. And there's a couple of general rules or theories or ideas that you usually, when you shoot through a windshield, this is what happens. And for the most part, that was you know, proven throughout this course and through these couple of days. Uh, but there were definitely some surprises when it came to shooting uh, you know, into the vehicle in other ways or through it uh, that, you know, like I said, it, it challenges some of your beliefs or reinforces some others, you know, that, you know, maybe you don't always expect it to work out that way. And sometimes things work out and then occasionally you're surprised. Yeah. So we're going to get into some of those specifics. We're going to share some of those cool takeaways because ultimately it was like taking, you know, theory that we understand or have been taught or are, have been teaching for some time and putting it to the test, right, with the actual processor right. or, or product or whatever it may be. And so that was really fun. But before we do that, I, I wanted to just say if you're like, well, where is this course? Where, you know, what's the story? What's coming up? This, this course is going to uh, – there's some post-production that has to be done. We have to go edit all the video. We have to clean it up. Um, you know, you, you end up taking – you have <clears throat> end up with like 40 hours worth of video that's got to get cut, sliced, diced, and trimmed up so that you guys can con- consume the whole thing in two, three hours worth of, of watching video. So we're going to work on that. It'll be available for sale uh, here in several weeks. But I'll also just tease this idea, and that is that in, in less – well, about two weeks, a little less than two weeks – you will have an opportunity to get this course for free. So we will be doing this the, uh, kind of a course launch uh, in, in alignment with another product that's very relevant to the course. And it'll be set up so that when you buy one, you get the other uh, for free. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Keep an eye out for that. We'll talk more about it when we get there. Wow, you just dropped a lot of hints right there. That was a loaded couple of sentences. I, that's how I roll, man. Yeah. Rewind and re-listen to that. <laughs> Maybe you'll pick up on what we're trying to tell you. So... Where do we begin, Jacob? Well, okay, let's talk about some of the things that were challenged or beliefs. Like, let's just get like let's get to the meat of the thing. Like, what what was something you saw in the last two days that you would say was the biggest aha or biggest like confirmation or biggest like what mind blown thing? Yeah, right. So probably the most obvious thing for me was when we were shooting through the door. Ah, okay. So you know. Everyone knows. I, I hope everyone knows, or maybe you know. Do you know <laughs> uh, that vehicle doors uh, generally do not 
operate or function as cover. And cover being, you know, it's going to stop or deflect bullets from hitting you through them, through that door. And, uh, I mean, while that's basically true, it's generally true. Now, here's one thing that, that, you know, I've taught and been familiar with for some time. And, but I had never actually had the opportunity to test exactly in this manner uh, where we shot into a door at a little bit of an angle. The results were very surprising. Yeah, imagine that Riley is kind of standing two, three feet off of the front passenger tire um, and, and looking into the passenger seat and shooting toward the passenger seat. We kind of had a, a target-ish thing in there so we could make see if we were getting shots on target. Well, I think we could say we had a rubber dummy in yeah, there. Yeah, it was a rubber dummy, yeah. And, and so we're shooting into, into, into the door, through the door, uh, toward the rubber dummy. And what, what, what would you call the angle? Like how, how steep of, you know... It actually angle. wasn't that steep, and that's perhaps what is... 40 degrees? You know, even, no, less. I would say, like, you know, if straight on to the door, where the door is perpendicular to you, like you're facing the door, if that's, you know, starting at zero, I'd say I was at 20, 20 degrees. Okay. Uh, and, okay. and so, like I said, that, that was probably what surprised me, because that was fairly straight on. Um, it, it may have been 30 degrees. I mean, 20 to 30 degrees, let's call it. Uh, Oh, all nine millimeter. In case anyone's wondering, right, right, and FMJ, which is definitely going to penetrate better, more effectively than you know, generally than in hollow point. And so, I mean, these are pretty penetrating rounds. And uh, so, I'm shooting into the store at a twenty to twenty-five degree angle, uh, and not a single one of those rounds made it through the door. Not even one. How many fire? Four. four. That was four. Four, four, four right. shots. Yeah. And that, yeah, that was pretty mind melting. Uh, we, I mean, it was just like I think the conclusion was foregone, right? In our minds, it was like, of course, it's going to penetrate uh, because car doors. Right? I expected it to. Yeah, I really and, did. Especially I at that it. angle. I mean, yeah, like, it's not that steep. It's change not like that angle we're trying to forty-five degrees or sixty sure. degrees, and like it's not like we're skipping rounds you know, off. You might, yeah, exactly. You might deflect those rounds, and uh, this is still fairly straight on. And there was one round that kind of bulged, you know, the kind of liner of the door panel. Uh, it was bulged inward slightly, but I couldn't actually find the slug. Uh, it had gotten to that point and apparently fallen down somewhere. But, I mean, it almost came through, but even had that one come through, like, it would have had very little energy left. And so, you know, that that rubber dummy survived that, that incident. You know, I fired four rounds, all within about six or eight inches uh, diameter and not a single one went through the door. Another surprising one was uh, shot one around into the A pillar, uh, the front of that of that same door. Uh, you know, door was closed, so it went through the door frame and into the A pillar. That one did not penetrate either. Now here's the thing: like I said, shooting into, around, or through vehicles is not a perfect science. And while I mean, this is certainly not a scientific test by any means. Uh, you could certainly run this very same test with the same vehicle, uh, and you might come up with a different result. And and so people know uh, this was a small, kind of you know mid-sized sedan. Sedan. A oh, four-door sedan. Four-door. It's uh-huh. four-door sedan. Yeah. A very common vehicle that everyone's you know familiar with and seen on the roads. And, uh, you know, you could do that with a different vehicle and it might have completely different results. That, that's the challenge with vehicles is that there's so many variables. There's, I mean, like even inside a door, I mean, 
you got all kinds of different components and window, you know, you got a, you know, a motor, let's say that, you know, moves your window up and down. Sure. You know, if it's a power window and, and you know, there's, there's, you know, and little rods and pieces, you know, that are connecting from the, from the door handle to the latch. Right. And the right. lock, you know, like you, you impact, you, you change it just one variable and your round this time hits a little bar or rod that's connected to the latch of the door. And, you know, that's just enough to stop around for whatever reason. You know, it's just, there's so many variables and so many things that, uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's a crapshoot. Well, and that's that's one of probably the biggest valuable things that, that I think people get out of the course, and, and, and that is this, that on one hand, you don't want to be reliant on having memorized everything that will happen if you shoot in and out of cars because of all those, imp- uh, you know, things that are not predictable, I guess. Right. On the, on the flip side, there is great value to seeing some of those things on film or seeing them because you yourself do them and say, okay, this gives me some broad ideas of what may or may not happen or you know, approximately what might happen if I do this or that. And, and so I think that there's some balance there in understanding what the core principles are on which I'm going to act, right, regardless of, the, uh, of those environmental factors that I can't control, but also having some sense for what those environmental factors are so that so that I at least have a little bit better instinct in terms of how I'm going to react or what I might, you know, expect would happen when I do this or that or the other thing. So so that's just kind of part of the deal. Right. Right. Did that even make any sense? Am I just rambling? Uh, you know, I might have blanked out for a second there, you know. But, uh, yeah, sounded good. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so oh. let me tell you something that I thought was a little bit uh, a little bit crazy. So for me, I th- I th- one thing that I thought was really crazy was the way the trajectory of the bullet was changed uh, when sitting inside the vehicle <laughs> and shooting forward through the windshield. So I'm I'm shooting you know at, at a pretty an angle that's considerably different from the windshield, which is pr- the windshield's probably at about a 45 or so d- degree slope, and I'm like right up on it. Right, there's not that much distance from the barrel of the gun to that windshield. And, and yet, it had some significant impact on the trajectory of the round when it when it's penetrating through glass. Well, yours was surprising. Uh, it, you know, it deflected that bullet way more than what I've typically seen. And so that I mean, you you hopped in that driver's seat, and you know it was your turn to shoot, and you got out of the holster and you know went over top of the steering wheel. You had a, we simulated a threat you know, directly in front of the vehicle. And you let off those rounds, and they were deflected way more than I've seen before. Yeah, at first I almost felt like I must have just had a bad shot. I was like, "Wait a minute, what? Like, did did I even aim properly? Like, what in the world happened to my shot?" And then I kind of brought that gun back into sight picture, and I looked at the sights. I looked at the hole through the glass, and I said, "No, like my sights were on. I I was right on where I should have been. The hole in the glass proves that." Uh, the bullet ain't even close. So the impact on the target was, was essentially very high in this case. You know, the thinking about the way it's hitting that, that glass at that angle, and it just, boom, it just picked it right up and threw it high. I mean, a solid, right. you know, I mean, imagine we're using a silhouette target, and I'm aiming for center chest, and the first, the first impact was, wasn't even on the paper. It was on the, the target backer, so we could see the impact, but it was, you know, above the head on that target. Yeah, no, it was... Like I said, it was more than a foot, more than is usual. But once again, I mean that comes back to reiterating that what I just said about 
every time you shoot in, around, through vehicles, the, the variables change, and, and, and you don't necessarily always understand. I mean, sure, there's a scientific explanation for everything, but, I mean, it, it, even that would be so challenging to try to put all together. But you, you, there's just never a guarantee as to what you're going to get. Now, one thing that was interesting about that particular situation, Jacob, was, you know, that instance where you were shooting illustrated a really great point. Uh, you know, we talk about when you're going to shoot through windshield glass, I mean, your first round is basically, it's, it's, it's a throwaway. It's a throwaway, yeah. yeah. You, you're, just, you're trying to get a, an initial hole in the window so that you can follow additional rounds through that that hopefully will not be deflected because they're going through uh, the same hole. And, uh, you know, it's not like you shot terribly. It's just like you, you were just a little bit off with some of those follow-up shots. So all three were deflected. You know, the first one deflected a lot, obviously, being the first shot. Second shot, a little less so, but still enough that it was kind of off the target. Third one was deflected, again, less so. But, you know, it, the two of them were penetrating through glass fresh. I, I made two holes. Right. So you had two of them that were just, you know, which is another really good proof of concept that I had two different shots that made their own new hole in the glass and they deflected differently. But, in, you know, if, if all science were perfect, it'd be, they should have deflected the exact same. The holes are not that far apart. So anyway, that just you know goes on to kind of prove that point of, you know, it's a little bit unpredictable. Uh, but yeah, even my third follow-up shot didn't perfectly clear that hole, right? It, it, it probably took a little bit of glass with it. And so it was also off. Right. Well, like you said, a lot of proofs of concept there because it just shows how important it is that you try as much as possible to get everything to go through the same hole. Or you shoot until you make enough of a hole that you, you know, a bigger hole that you it's easier to shoot through. I mean, frankly, uh, you, you had two holes there, but they weren't really that big. No. Uh, and you know, so kind of challenging to try to shoot through, um, you know, Repeatedly, I mean, if you if you'd let off five shots right, you know, right away, like the first couple may have been deflected, and then, you know, your last couple shots would have, you know, gone right where you wanted them to go. You, you did, you know, shoot a few more rounds. Initially, you shot three, and then you paused and you shot several more, and then those ones went, you know, right to the center mass of the target. So, anyway, I, I'm glad you know we brought that up that, that you know and that you were willing to discuss that too because, like we said, it, it there is no guarantee about how bullets are going to perform on different vehicles, different situations, circumstances. It's just, but you know, there's some general concepts and theories that you need to be aware of, and we cover a lot of that in this course. You're, you're going to want to, you know, check it out. You're going to want to participate and, and view and, and learn from this and, and understand what a lot of those concepts are, uh, but still there are not necessarily any guarantees which also has its, you know, that fact alone has its own lessons to be learned. And there's, you know, things that you that can be done to try to deal with those, uh, you know, those, those ever-changing variables and the lack of guarantee of, of performance. Yeah, I mean, think about just windshields alone, right? I mean, every vehicle's got different size slope. Uh, how much, how big the windshield is is going to be a factor. Uh, where the curvature, you know, windshields are generally not a flat piece of glass. They've got curvature. Right. And different points in the windshield have more or less curvature than others. Uh, also, you know, the middle of the glass is probably less stable than the glass that's anchored to the side of the, of a, of the frame of the car or whatever. So, so there's yeah. just all these crazy different, even the angle which I'm shooting, right? If I'm shooting straight on versus I'm shooting at an upward or downward angle or at a sideways angle, 
all that stuff. Just you know, we 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 put that through the ringer as far as testing that, and the the biggest lessons were, you know, some things are consistently just going to more or less work, but not perfectly, and other things are pretty consistently not going to work perfectly at all, and and you're gonna have to really punch through a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about the three P's? Yes, let's talk about the three P's. I love the three P's. I wish it was the PPP. <laughs> so here we go. Don't make me laugh. The three P's. Priorities, positions, and paths. And paths maybe would have a better word that makes more sense, but it didn't, wouldn't start with a P, so we'd have to throw it out. Right. So priorities, positions, and paths. It's always easy to remember three P's. Yes. As opposed to PP, I don't know, V. <laughs> or L. Yeah. So so PPP. Let's go. Priorities. Yeah. So priorities. Uh, when, when we're talking about vehicle tactics, the there's so priorities is broken also into four things that you need to uh, consider. You know, make this part of. I guess it really needs to be ingrained in your mind. It needs to happen automatically. You need to be thinking about this. I would encourage you to do mental rehearsals surrounding these sorts of things like and i've sometimes done this you know i've been in situations where i'm stuck in uh stuck at a light you know downtown denver let's suppose uh maybe in a lesser desirable part of town and you're looking around and you're like hmm what would you know what would i do if this dude over here on the sidewalk to my left came over suddenly with a weapon in his hand right and so the the priorities piece is super I think important to play these out in your mind, do these mental rehearsals. So what are the four priorities that you need to evaluate when faced with a threat and you are uh, inside a vehicle? Right? Yes. Yeah. So number one. And basically this is, what is the prioritization of four options? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Like yeah. You, these are steps. You need yeah. to go, you need to consider these things in this order uh, because it makes sense that way for obvious reasons. I'll explain and you know, as far as making the right decision, as far as what you're, how you're going to handle this threat. All right. Yes. So number one, keep keep in mind we're in a vehicle, and we're facing a threat. So number one is to try to evade that threat with the vehicle. With the vehicle, right? Ve- vehicles move pretty fast. Right. So priority one is, yeah, this dude just approached with a weapon, but I'm in a car or a truck, and I can go. <laughs> yeah, hit the right? gas. But there might be situations where you can't go. Yeah, maybe the car is disabled. Right. Or, uh, or like a, the example I kind of gave was like, I'm stuck at a light. I've got cars in front of me, behind me. Sure, boxed in. And, I mean, yeah, you could talk about, well, I should maintain a you know, better distance off of the car in, in front of me. Granted, but sometimes maybe you don't. Or maybe you have cars to the right and left and you can't. You know, swing around the car that's that's uh, yeah. In maybe front of you, right? maybe you're parallel parked and you just climbed into the car to drive sure. off, and you know there's someone standing there. Right, and it's going to take you you know three uh, three or four point turn to to get out of that spot. So sure. the point is, number one is ideally if we are faced with a threat, and we're inside the vehicle. The number one priority is first evade if possible. Now, if that's not a pot, if that's not an option, then you go to step two or priority number two, which is. Use, if possible, that vehicle as a weapon. So while in situations we might not be able to totally drive away and evade, uh, perhaps the we- the vehicle can be used as a weapon. Now, a uh, situation might be that uh, uh, you know a-, a threat pulls in in front of me, right? So he's sitting in front of me, 
and I can't drive cleanly away, but maybe I can ram into him, ram into that vehicle. And if he's swung in front of me or behind me or whatever it is, and now he's jumping out because he's obviously trying to get me to do something, now he's outside of the vehicle and he's vulnerable. So priority one, evade. That's not an option. Priority two, well, use the vehicle as a weapon. Yep, It's a lot more powerful than a firearm, a gun, a bullet. Yeah, yeah, it's a big chunk of metal, much bigger than a bullet, moving at a pretty good speed, you know, depending, right. and yeah, ouch. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't think we have to explain that totally. So yeah. Yeah, pretty Let me get intuitive. into the science, really, <laughs> of how a car can hurt a human. <laughs> right. Let's not. Okay, so number three, priority number three, is if evading and using the vehicle's weapons not an option, then number three is consider bailing out of the vehicle. Yeah. Right. Can I evade in other words, can I evade the situation on on foot? So the vehicle's disabled or it's stuck, it it, it can't move, uh, it can't use it as a weapon. So can I get away from the situation though safely? But also priority or option number three might also be part of number four, step number four, which so consider that, but ideally, preferably, if we can evade the situation on foot or bail out of the vehicle if that affords us better options then that's the third thing we need to consider number four is finally going to use of of lethal force deadly force uh now so that could be from within the vehicle it due to the nature of the incident i mean jacob i'll let you if you want you can talk about the story or or we could just reference it very generically you know the guy the i think an uber driver that uh had you know a threat immediately you know yeah, appear in yeah. front of him. That's in Florida. Yeah. So basically, he you know he's at a stop sign and a minivan comes right in front of him and boxes him in. I mean, I suppose he could have backed out. He you know he could have put it in reverse or something, but he couldn't move forward. But it and, sounded like it happened so quickly. Yeah. I mean, and, and imagine you're kind of like, well, what's going on? Minivan flies out, and it's a minivan too. Anyway. <laughs> the door swings open. The guy, this guy, jumps out of the, the the minivan holding two guns, points them at the driver, and starts to move around toward the driver's side door. So that's a very fast dynamic thing. It's like, ah, uh, you know, you're probably in drive. If you hit the gas, you could, I suppose, ram that minivan, but it doesn't eliminate the threat who's just jumped out. Uh, evade, you know, trying to evade is probably not really an option. Or trying to ram the the the, the threat is not an option. Did I make that clear enough? Right. You know, trying to throw open my door and run away, that's probably not a good option. He's right here. He's there. So I got to go to priority number four, which is address this threat now from within the vehicle. And that's what the Uber driver did. He pulled right. his gun and boom, 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 boom. Right through the windshield, right? Right through the windshield. Yeah. Four shots. And so we have a situation that's developed so quickly that, it, the best course of action was just to draw his weapon and use it, which he did so effectively. And he dropped that guy. I think that that suspect died. And yep. the kind of irony, I th- I, you know, I think anyway, is that the minivan had it. You know, he was just he was one of at least two dudes. There was a driver of the minivan that took off. Yeah, right. So left oh my guy got my my buddy got shot. See you later. Goodbye. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because those shots impacted Target, too. I mean, it, I, rem- I remember when we covered that story in the podcast, I don't know, it was like February or March of this year, and we were both remarked on how remarkable it was that all four shots hit, hit, hit Target. It was yeah. crazy. It was really impressive. Anyway, the, the point of coming back to the priorities, okay, number one, you know, can I can I get just hit the gas? Can I get out of here? Can I put it in reverse? Can I just, you know, eliminate the problem by, by leaving? It's so great. Number two, if I can't, 
You know, if I if I just can't get out of here, maybe I can use the the vehicle as my weapon. Maybe I can ram uh, the suspect's car or the or the individual itself. Maybe I can back into you know ram the car behind me. Maybe I can use it. I can ram things in order to create space to escape. If I can't if I can't escape, if I can't ram, then option three, priority number three, the third best thing, get out of the car, escape because I don't want to be in the box. I don't want to be in the in the shoot box. I want to get out. I want to have more options. I want to be able to 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 have a dynamic environment that I have more control over. And when that doesn't work, then you know I'll shoot my way out. Right now, vehicles are bullet magnets, and it you know it's a it's a death trap. It's a box. It's a coffin. You know, in a lot of situations, if you've got a guy with a gun and you're in that stuck inside that vehicle, you're in a really bad disadvantaged position by staying in that box. But there are, you know, like the story we just shared, there's situations where you just don't have time, you don't have a chance, you just have to respond immediately. But I wanted to make sure I touched on, because I, I told you I would, that there there are situations, you, you might take option three where you go, okay, can't do this, can't do this. Okay, option three, get out of the vehicle. And some, in a lot of cases, that is the smarter play, and that is the necessary play to get out of that vehicle, even if you do need to use lethal force. It might be for a lot of reasons, a lot of you know variety of reasons why you need to get out of the vehicle, uh, even to use deadly force, because you know you're getting yourself outside of that 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 kill zone, that box. Uh, maybe you're trying to protect passengers inside the vehicle, draw fire away from them, uh, and also using that vehicle as cover is much more easily achieved outside the vehicle then i mean inside the vehicle you, you, you do not have a good form of cover other than if you can duck down low enough that the front you know the engine block is protecting you but from the sides you're incredibly vulnerable right and by ducking down you're taking your eyes off threat and you're just you're not able to quickly respond so point is bailing out option number three or priority three is often going to be part of the solution and it may be also followed up with number four, which is using deadly force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, three and four are kind of a fine line to call you know to call them separate steps because four is really just a, a way to make it so that I can bail out. You know, that, that that's kind of what it's about. It's like, well, I need to get out of this vehicle because I do not want to be trapped in here, but maybe I need to I need to take action now and do what's got to be done so that I can bail out and then right. and then continue the fight. Uh, so yeah, that that's priorities, and I think that that yeah. was that's something we spent quite a bit of time trying to illustrate, and then work our way through. You know, option A, B, C, D. How how exactly now do you do that? And, that, and obviously that that's where right. we got into the d- deep of it. And I hope it was clear, by the way, that that the reason why we have an option three, bailing out, is that sometimes the the solution is to get away. By sure. foot, right? Okay, okay. So sure. Just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, option three is not always you know jump out and then start shooting back option three might be jump out and run right yeah, exactly. the, the point is that we don't want to sit in, and be trapped yep yeah okay so three p's number one is priorities those are the priorities in that order evade vehicle as weapon bail out and escape or bail out and number four use deadly force yeah yep. good what's the second p second p positions and positions really became an interesting thing because a lot of times when we, th- we talk about shooting positions, we talk about, well, the standing position, uh, the kneeling position, the one-knee position, the seated position, the prone position, the crouched position, the supine position, right? I mean, all the that's what we think of when we talk about shooting positions. But when we talk about vehicle fighting, the, the kind of key you know, delivery here or understanding 
is that you're talking about a 360-degree environment, which is how all real gunfights are. You're not, you're not talking about a static or even moving target or multiple targets that are in front of you, in front of a firing line on a gun range. You're talking about a dynamic environment where the threat is constantly, potentially constantly moving. You could be pot- potentially constantly moving. And so you, you ultimately, at any given point, could be anywhere inside the vehicle. You could be driver, passenger, back seat, front seat, whatever. You could be anywhere on the outside of the car. I'm, I'm, I'm near the front uh, passenger side quarter panel or whatever. I mean, there's so many different places you could be at any given point. And in any of those given positions, your target, your threat, could be anywhere else in any other given position in or outside the vehicle. So all of a sudden, you know, it becomes very impractical to say, here are these six positions, you know, to shoot from. And, and, and not to say that there aren't some key positions, and obviously we cover those in the course, but the point is that when we talk about positions, it's a dynamic 360-degree environment, and there's some big do-nots, there's definitely some big do's, but it's not always as simple as, well, from here, this is, this is how you shoot around this part of a car. Because, well, what if the threat's over there? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, that's, that's really a great point. Obviously, recognizing just how dynamic the situation can be and how quickly it can change, which was illustrated in one of our force-on-force examples that we did. Uh, but so, you know, with positions, there, really what I see is there's a couple of really core concepts or principles as far as where you want to try to be on a vehicle and in being mindful of, of what those, and, and a lot of it is obviously focused around the, uh, the, the block, uh, the engine block, right? I mean, that's your like one true fo- uh, form of cover. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right? the relatively guaranteed thing that will stop bullets. Right. But you can't always use it, unfortunately. And then the next best thing is t- to, use whatever is available which what you'll find with particularly with handgun caliber you know uh weapons with handguns you're you're probably still in pretty good shape even using other parts of the vehicle no guarantees obviously but it's better than nothing like you have a good chance of bullets getting stopped in other areas of of the vehicle particularly when you're outside you know like you you are outside a vehicle. Your threat is also outside, and you know you got a f- full vehicle in between you. You got a whole trunk that a bullet's got to pass through. I mean, it is. <laughs> don't count on it, right? But it increases your chances, and that's my point. Uh, concealment is also effective, uh, as most bad guys and most people in general just don't think it doesn't occur to them to try to shoot through a car uh, there may be some skilled you know gangbangers out there that might think of that but most of the time not and in the heat of the moment you know they're also trying to avoid getting shot right and so it's just not usually something that comes into play i don't think if anything it's it's more of a accidental sort of situation where a guy is shooting so rapidly and uncontrollably that he just happens to shoot through a vehicle maybe get you i don't know but the point is positioning yourself around the vehicle a uh, couple of you know key points that are going to become very clear in the course as to what to do or not to do but here's one other thing i really want you to think about so this is so so important in this type of scenario where you're trying to keep yourself in a safe position on that vehicle which 
you know, I could hide myself down in a you know nice crouched low position behind the engine block, but that also maybe puts me at a disadvantage at times if I cannot maintain visual contact with my threat. If I can't see him and I can't see what he's doing or where he's moving, then very quickly that fight can come to an end, which is illustrated, unfortunately, by the uh, one of the Dallas police officers in last year's attack in Dallas on the, on the, on the police officers, right? Where, the, you know, well-known footage where one officer is basically standing, he's, he's hiding behind a column, a concrete column on a building, on the exterior of a building. And uh, I don't remember what the dude's name is, not that it matters, but the attacker is yeah, 15, 20 feet away, right? And there's like one or two columns between them. But they're exchanging shots. And what happened in that, in that situation? Oh, the attacker flanked the officer, basically. What happens is the officer's movements became so predictable in terms of, oh, he's going to pop out here, he's going to pop out here, he's going to pop out here. And it became predictable to the point that the attacker's like, well, next time he hides his head, I'll just run over here, run up behind him, and shoot him at point blank. And that's right. what happened, is he was flanked. And, and why that was possible was because the officer lost visual contact with the suspect. And so exactly, when he saw that opportunity to go, ah, he doesn't see me right now, and he's been you know, leaning around the right side of this column the whole time, so as soon as he ducks back behind, I'm going to move down the other side where he was able to flank him. Yeah. Is this the point... In this conversation where we explain the whole Riley shot me in the head thing? Sure. <laughs> in, case, in case we forget and someone starts sending us emails about why did Riley shoot Jacob? You know, obviously Jacob is alive and he's still with us here. He's talking. This isn't, uh, you know, someone else filling in for him. <laughs> but you, you do have, you did sustain a wound on your head and you survived that wound. Miraculously, I think. <laughs> Okay, so in the cores, and this is something that I think you'll get great value from, because it's one thing to just like sit there and explain something. Oh, okay, this is how this works, and oh, th- what? Let me now I'm going to shoot it for you. Look how I hit this target. But in this course, we included some force on force training modules, where essentially we play out a couple of scenarios. These are real scenarios that happened recently from you know real real true stories, and we decide to kind of play out. This is what happened, and then we play out. Well, this is maybe how it would be done better, and we we tweak that. So we were playing out one of these scenarios, and Riley and I were doing what I call the dance around the car. And uh, yeah, boom! This, these, we're using airsoft guns, and we had we had the appropriate protective, you know, eye gear and headgear and stuff. But there, there was, you know, a point of exposed forehead. Yeah. Apparently, uh, well, exposed is relative. I, I had, I did have one piece of layer over it. Uh, but yeah, airsoft came up. Riley, Riley, Riley nailed me. It was game over. Now, now hold on, now airsoft, Jacob. Like, are we so lame we couldn't use simunitions? Um, lame is not the word I would use. <laughs> no, you know, here's the thing. Like, simunitions uh, would be would have been really great to do for our force and force, obviously. But uh, we just felt like we didn't need to go to that extreme to communicate the point well, of and, what and we're trying to teach with with that force on force module. And that was actually a really good point because if we had been using simunitions and I'd been hit in the head, we would have immediately called it game over. Well, we, we would have been wearing different protective equ- equipment. <laughs> Granted, but the point is, we would have seen that I took a headshot. And so we might have, in that moment, we might have said, okay, Jacob's dead, you know, scenario over. 
But instead, we kept playing it out as if I had not been shot, and we kept going. And so True. additional value was gleaned, uh, both for, for you, the viewer of the course, and for us as the instructors of the course, because we were able to show, you know, well, what if I had not been hit in the head? How would this continue to play out? So anyway, you know, all, all part of the thing. But I think you guys will enjoy those force-on-force -force, uh, modules that we included to kind of really illustrate how, how some of those things happen. And it's, it's a very reactive situation. Uh, you kind of have a, you know, because we knew we were going to, you know, do XYZ scenario, you go into it a little bit of at least, I know how this is going to start, but then, then that goes out the window and it's just reactive. And so I hope right. you enjoy those modules. And I hope if you ever are doing any force on force training with, with a friend of yours that you don't get shot in the head. Right. Yeah, there's a, there are really are a couple of key points. I mean, we're talking about how important it is to use properly the cover that a vehicle affords you, that that module really shows it because you had a hard time hitting me, right? I did get you in the head. Uh, I believe I hit you maybe another spot, but it was a little unclear, and you weren't aware of feeling any anything impacting you. And we did have you know like a heavy jacket on. Uh, we had some other protective gear on, gloves, you know, face mask and shield and, and stuff, but. Uh, in the end, you were able to prevail because of a. You know, it, there's a really great lesson that comes from that, and I'm glad it came out the way it did. Right? Uh, if we go back to the beginning, yes, I shot you in the head right off the get-go, and I was not really trying to hit you exactly in the head where I did, where you were a little bit more exposed. Uh, we didn't have the the best of protective equipment there, uh, but you know, and, and I know some of you may, may be thinking, well. Come on, guys! Like are you amateurs, like you know, not wearing proper equipment. You know, we were we were we were properly protected. I think, considering the circumstances. Well, it's not like I had to rush off to the ER. Yeah, we, I, I'm we, fine, folks. I just happened exactly. to get hit in the head. Okay, you got a little bit of a well. Yeah, you know, it's not a, not a big deal at all, and we were totally willing to take you know to take that risk. Uh, so, and it afforded us a, a certain sense of realism, you know, because obviously you felt that you realized. Oh geez, I freaking got shot. Uh, it, you didn't. You don't. You didn't want to be hit by these air, even though it was airsoft and it seems kind of you know like a game. You don't want to be hit by these things no, at, at the ranges, at the distance we were at, especially. They still, you know, they hurt. They hurt about it like a simulation round does. Yeah, these force on force scenarios that we played out, that we recorded for the for the course. They're awesome. I mean, you're really going to get a lot out of those. I, I know you guys are really going to enjoy those. And they illustrate so many points relative to not just positions, which is kind of what we're talking about right now, but also some mental game uh, stuff. Right. And, and just you're going to derive a ton of value from these force-on-force -force scenarios. It's going to be great. Yeah. Like I said, the real key is use cover effectively. Yeah. Right? That, 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 that's how you're going to prevail. That's the thing. So, okay, positions, paths. Paths. Yeah, so paths. So the, this is the, the word, third P. Yeah, the third P. This is the word we're using to describe essentially this idea of the 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 line of fire, the line of the sight. I don't even know how to describe paths. But here's the theory. I, I like to think of like shooting lanes. Like Shooting lanes is good. I like you, that. You know, or, or trajectories. Trajectory. They're, oh, I like trajectory. Sure. Yeah, but, but PPT doesn't sound as good. So, so this, think about it, the trajectory, essentially, where we're shooting. And this came into play really quickly in some of the different scenarios we played out and some of the things where, essentially, you know, imagine that you have passengers in that vehicle. You know, if, I, if my daughter's in the back seat or my wife's sitting next to me or Riley is sitting next to me and he forgot his gun today or something, 
then then this becomes a situation where now I'm in a gunfight, and as I'm dancing around the car or using the car's cover or shooting through the whatever it is, uh, you know, not not only am I in the box, or if I maybe I've exited the box and I'm I'm fighting around the car, but I still got innocent people in there, and every it's really it's really difficult to put yourself in a position where the trajectory of the bullets getting being flown around in that dynamic environment is not in a path to injure one of these innocent people. It's just not as simple as it sounds. Right. Well, similar to some of what we've talked earlier about, uh, there, there are no guarantees, you know, of, as far as for passenger safety in a situation like this. But you, as the law-abiding citizen responding to a threat, like your job is to tactically move and take a proper, you know, we just got done talking about positions. You need to take a position that affords you cover and allows you to be effective at stopping your threat and hopefully takes your passengers as much as possible out or away from the fight. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, while that sounds as simple as, well, I'm just going to take this position. Well, you know what? It, it, it's not that simple because all of a sudden your threat moves. You know, there's a tendency in the, in the human psyche to get further away from the thing that's shooting bullets at me. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as, as, one, as, as the shooter moves, the threat is also probably going to also move uh, to, to add distance. And all of a sudden that angle now is potentially going right through my passenger. So there's a lot of, a lot, again, a lot of that unpredictable, no guarantee, dynamic environment kind of effect taking place when we talk about paths. Yeah. You know, and other paths, I think, you know, when we talk about the three Ps relating to vehicle tactics, uh, I mean, we're talking about priorities, we're talking about positions, and we're talking about paths. The three things that are really key to know and understand uh, about fighting in and around vehicles is with that path piece. And I do like the word path, by the way, because it's thinking in terms of paths that my bullet is going to need to take or how it, you know, what type of path it's going to take when it, you know, is shot in certain places or locations on or, or in or around the vehicle. Uh, so part of this path piece, I think, is understanding that, well, generally, if I need to shoot through a window, particularly through a windshield, this is about what to expect and what's going to happen. Uh, and then also, like you, you talked about, you know, to good effect there is being mindful of passengers and hopefully taking them out of the fight. Now, one really key thing I think that comes out of this, and I, I think it's something that we don't talk about enough, uh, uh, often enough, and probably very few gun owners and personal, you know, personal protection-minded individuals, probably very few of us actually do this. And I'm, I'll, I'll admit, I'm willing to admit, I don't think I've had as specific a discussion with my spouse and or my children uh, enough. I don't think I've talked with them specifically enough about a couple of things relating to defense in and around a vehicle that may be critical for them in surviving you know, a situation. And we recognize these types of situations are rare. They are, in fact, rare. But I think it is worthy to note that it's important, I think, to discuss with your family, your spouse, and perhaps other individuals passengers that are commonly passengers with you, what some of those ideas, tactics, uh, you know, things, actions that they might take or that they ought to take to hopefully uh, better be prepared and protect themselves 
You're talking about like a passenger in the passenger, front passenger seat, and you're the driver. And talking with them about what they ought to be uh, doing when you're dealing with a threat. Especially if you got a threat that comes up on your passenger side. It comes yep. right up to your passenger's window. You know, what do they need to do? What do they need to be aware of so that they don't interfere with you defending them and yourself um, and that puts, you know, gives them the greatest chance of surviving that encounter? Yeah, we talked about that a lot in the course. We gave some good ideas there. Made you know, gave you some really good direction. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of twist tangent away a little bit here sure. and say another thing related to path is not just you know, this idea of line of sight and you know innocent people, but it also has to do with what happens when bullets hit things like you know hoods and trunks and you know doors and frames and windows and glass. And so there's a huge emphasis in in vehicle fighting tactics, uh, you know, related to this idea of angle of deflection. Uh, you know, if I if if a shot does happen to you know hit that hood and I'm sitting I'm standing over here or there, how does how does that you know really skip or how does it bounce or how does it change the trajectory of the bullet? Uh, you know, given given that it's it's now being deflected off that metal, or how does you know as we were talking about earlier, going through that windshield change the trajectory of the bullet? Uh, given different types of glass or different types of vehicles or different kind of curvature, or if I'm shooting in or out or whatever, so all of that also has to do with paths, sure. and and so those those three P's really are pretty dang comprehensive at the high level view of what it was all about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even little things, Jacob, like considering what to do with you're shooting through a side window, for instance, and what is the difference that tint has on that, right? If you have window tint, which is a film applied to that glass, like what, is, what does that do as it relates to paths, right? Uh, and shooting through that glass, what to expect. So many people I suspect out there don't know what to expect if they had to shoot through a side window and it's tinted. It's going to be totally different than if it's not tinted, right? Yeah. Nice so, day. you know, really key things to, to know and understand, and that's all covered in this course. Now, I was thinking, some of you listening are probably like, come on, guys, this isn't, isn't fair. You know, like, give, give us the goods. Like, just talk about all this in the podcast. Number one, we don't have time. Uh, we, I guess we could do it over a couple episodes. We could talk about all this stuff. Uh, but number two, like we just spent a lot of time and effort filming the course. <laughs> well, and there are some things that are better learned visually. I Absolutely. Mean, I, 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 we have to recognize the limitations of a podcast. And, and you'll also, to some degree, I'll just ask that you guys recognize the limitations of what we can do as a company for free, <laughs> frankly. Sure. Like we do have to pay bills. We do have employees. But, but outside of it all, I, I, I hope that we are talking about things that are valuable here. Absolutely. I think that there's some legitimate value in some of the aha moments we talked about with the car door, with the windshield, with the windshield and how that changed trajectory. And I hope that this idea, this kind of this mentality, this approach, this paradigm of the three P's of priorities, positions, and paths also kind of sets you up in a position where you start to understand uh, how dynamic that environment is and, and ultimately, hopefully, allows you to at very least go sit in a car or you know, go work around a car in a parking lot or your garage even and, and start to just kind of imagine some of these scenarios. Okay, I'm sitting in a passenger seat. Um, you know, I got a seatbelt on. Based on where I carry my gun, um, first off, how in the heck am I going to draw it? Yeah, so yeah, we do cover some of these things in the course. Well, we do cover all those things in the course. But have you ever actually asked yourself that question? Have you tried fired it? Have you have you actually tried to draw that thing and see how that stroke looks? Well, okay, great. Now I got it out. How am I going to address a target that's right there? 
well, I, I would have to do this. Oh, okay. You know, so just, just kind of hopefully bring this up and give me some of this context and give me some, a paradigm you know, through which you can approach this creates immense value. Right. So to kind of start some things up here, uh, I think big takeaways from today's episode, obviously, uh, are these three Ps. And it is thinking about, considering, working you know, through, uh, finding solutions for priorities, the three Ps. The first P, priorities, which were what? Evade, use a vehicle's weapon, bail out, get away from situation on foot, or bail out and, number four, use deadly force. Yeah. And, or that might be use deadly force from within the vehicle. Last resort, but that's sometimes what you got to do. Know what to expect with those types of situations. What's going to happen when you shoot through glass, through a windshield, uh, including like little things like you're inside a vehicle, confined space. I mean, how deafening is that going to be? It's going to hurt. Uh, you may or may not notice it, depending on your own personal physiological uh, changes, uh, auditory exclusion, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also smoke you know, from there's the rest. Yeah. Other things that are going to obscure your vision. There's glass breaking and flying around that may get in your face or in your eyes. Uh, there's, you know, so there's just, a, excuse me, there's just a lot of uh, things to consider there with priorities. And our last resort is always going to be using that deadly force. And I certainly hope I don't have to use it from within the vehicle. But if that's what it comes to, that's what I did. And it only came after I considered all these other options, right? That's priorities. Right. That's priorities. Number two, positions, taking up appropriate positions on or around a vehicle and how to position yourself properly to give yourself the greatest exam, uh, greatest advantage against your adversary. Number three, paths. Yep, understanding trajectory of bullet, uh, whether you know that's in regards to <laughs> protecting the innocent people that may be in or around the car, or understanding how you know bullets can deflect off of or skip off of or insert whatever word you want, uh, how things can fragment, etc. So that you have real clear understanding. Uh, of that, that environment and what can change and how rapidly it can change based on, on you know, the threat and, and yourself and movements. Yeah, exactly. So overall, I mean, this was an exciting couple of days and it's exciting content to bring to our listeners, uh, to the visitors of our website, to Guardian Nation members. And like I said, it, it's going to be at least a few weeks before we get this all finalized and put together, there's a lot of post-production and editing that's got to take place. But this is a top, top priority for us. Like you said, Jacob, you teased earlier, this is connected to the launch of another product. And uh, so we're, we've got to get this you know, done here pretty quickly. It's going to be really awesome. And I hope you listeners are able to check this out. Because I, I, I do think, even though, I mean, it's so easy to sit, just, just sit back there and say, this is so unlikely that I'm going to have to shoot through a windshield. Like, really? And I've heard, I, I've heard tactical operators say that. You know, like, this, this is something that just civilians are never going to have to deal with. But clearly we have documented cases, news stories that happen. I mean, it is not every day, but it happens. Where people need to be familiar with these kind of tactics and certainly, there's a lot of situations. I mean, whether it's a shooting in a parking lot, a garage, a place of business, out on the street somewhere, you know, or inside your vehicle. These are situations that occur very often. And our listeners 
and Guardian Nation members would be so much better served having at least some good solid knowledge about how to operate in those kind of uh, conditions. Yeah, it's, and it's not always about, you know, the rarity situation of me being in the car and having a threat come to me and I, I'm me having to shoot through the glass. It's about the fact that a vehicle is a, is a very unique and different kind of tool and asset than any other piece of cover you might take up. And so understanding some of the subtleties of a vehicle uh, being inserted into that, into that gunfight is really important and, and has great value. Yes, indeed it does. So look for this vehicle fighting tactics course once again we're still working on like a really good name for it mm. view or listener suggestions welcomed support not support what am i saying podcast at concealedcarry.com send us a message also send us any messages about anything related to the podcast that you'd like to know or hear and actually just you know i know there's at least one or two of you listeners out there that have emailed in the last few days and I said, I, I know I replied to at least one of you and said, uh, I will, we will be answering this question in an upcoming episode. Sorry, due to the nature of us recording this on the road driving, uh, we, we'll probably get to those, some of those questions next episode. I would yeah, like to but a big, a big shout out to everybody. Last episode, I think I said something to the effect of, we're talking about the Foyd cards in Illinois. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We, you know what? We could talk about that real quick. Yeah, we should because I think what came up is is I said that I th- I thought I was like I think I remember that you have to have the Foyd card to buy even ammo, and I think you were kind of like really I'm not so sure. And I was like, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, or, I was like, I was like, yeah, I kind of remember that. that so I'm like familiar, right? Yeah. So you we know. we asked. We just asked the listeners. We're like, hey, like, hey, Illinois listeners, like tell us like what's up send us an email and let us know if that's true or not like we, we don't remember and we got a lot of emails <laughs> yeah we, apparently we have a lot of listeners in illinois we, we do we, yeah. i know we have i mean i think illinois is our number it's, three market yeah it's, it's like four. a top five you it's, know yeah. downloads we, of the we know we have a, uh, probably a couple thousand of you listeners out there in illinois so yeah it was it worked out pretty pretty quick and pretty fast we got the answers so but thank you to all of you and and i would say anytime we ask for for answers on the podcast don't assume that somebody else is going to email us we'd much rather get you know 30 of you to, to email us an answer or a thought or a suggestion than than one or zero or five so yeah. more is always better so thank you so much we, we got a lot of other good kind of thoughts and input about illinois too beyond just the the ammo question about the Foyd cards and so it was really nice and i think there's some other things there that that maybe we also need to to come back to and address in, a, in another episode we do not mind getting those emails no right and, and i feel bad that we just recently got that podcast at concealedcarry.com email uh set up we should have done that a long time ago. We should but have. We're, we're dumb sometimes. We're just dumb dudes. But anyway, well, maybe Riley's dumb. Jacob's pretty smart. The, the point is we all make mistakes. So, <laughs> anyway. yes, thank you for the emails. Keep those coming. Any questions you have about anything, and thank you to those, especially related to this Ford question. Uh, it was great getting getting so much feedback so quickly. It was very helpful. You know, one thing on that Floyd issue uh, and, and it is so eye-opening, you know, especially living in a place where we, we, we don't have to produce some sort of void card uh, or, yeah, we don't have to do that here in Colorado. Uh, that, that, that's eye-opening to me. And I know we had one listener that emailed and said, well, Riley talked about it, you know, void cards as being like gun owner registration. And he's like, it's not really that. But, you know, it kind of is. And I think that's crazy. But anyway, it, Illinois, fight for your rights. Stand up. I know, I know you guys are. 
but uh, we'll, and we'll try to back you up in any way we can. It's just so amazing how some of these rights have been trampled upon over the years. Yeah, I also would just add that another kind of good, insightful thing that I think we heard from one or more emails was that, you know, Illinois takes a bad rap. And I think I made a comment like yeah. that in the last episode. I said, I think I'm tired of us all hitting the <laughs> Chicago bandwagon, you know, trying to constantly talk about Chicago's bad gun life. You know what? You know, Illinois is really a wonderful place in many many regards. There's a lot of wonderful people. There is, and I and frankly, I, I have a good friend there. If if I could take that, my gun with me, I'd go to Chicago more often because it's a beautiful city. Right, right. No, I mean, I have a good friend in Illinois that is you know very outdoors, outdoorsy, and shoots and and just you know he enjoys his Second Amendment rights as much as he can. There are a couple of you know funny things that uh, that make it a little different and sometimes troublesome. Yeah, and like any big city, it's got its bad neighborhoods or whatever, but all right. around. Uh, anyway, you Illinois people, I'm with you. I get it. You guys do get way too bad of a bad rap, and it's it's really not fair. And But, yes, all things considered, also know that there are some battles that you probably should go fight and win. And, and it's, it is improving. It is getting better, both in terms of crime, but yeah. also in terms of gun rights. Well, and so, it was such a huge win, the whole concealed carry thing. Yeah, it was you that know, 2011 Illinois, decision, 2012 can, execution. Can yeah. you believe that Illinois is a shall-issue state now? That's, that's awesome. Like, it really is. And that's it, a and huge it was never thing. a may-issue state. It was a we-have-no-permit state. Yeah. <laughs> to now we, we, we shall issue. So anyway, huge wins, and, and I do think it's getting better out there. And there's so many wonderful things about, about Illinois, yeah. uh, you know, Including gun companies that make guns there. So, yeah, anyway. a lot of great companies. Yep. Yep. So, once again, we thank our show sponsors today Culper Precision, Brave Response, and Six Hour Ammunition for their support and for making today's episode. But, like we said, they were huge in making this vehicle course uh, possible. Uh, in fact, you heard we came here to Utah. One of the reasons why was. It was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, we do have some access to uh, some ranges in, in Colorado, but none of them were open to the idea of us blasting glass everywhere and stuff like that. And Brave Response really stepped up and said, we've got a range where you could do that. Oh, and we have a car that we can provide. And it just all came together. We went, okay, we got to do this. And we threw this together really fast. It was like last week we talked about it, and we've never thrown together something like this this quickly. But it just all came together, and we said we've got to hop in the truck and drive out to Utah and, and do it. And we did, and we're on our way back. And uh, next week, hopefully, we're back to a little bit more normal schedule of things, including publishing the podcast. Yeah, th- a huge thank you to Brave Response, Culper Precision, 6-Hour Ammo, uh, you know, all, all three, but especially Culper and Brave Response, really, who were big contributors to making this all happen, uh, specifically to this, to this week's events. Yeah, yep. So we would appreciate it if you'd support our sponsors. Uh, go check them out. Culperprecision.com, BRshooting.com. And, of course, we do have Brave Responses uh, holsters for sale in our online store at concealedcarry.com. So with that, it's about that time to uh, wrap up for another episode. And we apologize for getting it out late this week. I hope you understand based on a lot of what we just talked about. Uh, it's been a crazy week, but it's been a good week. And uh, it's been good doing this episode, and we really, truly appreciate our listeners. Thank you, everyone, for making this show possible and for giving us that that boost, that motivation to continue doing it. It is your emails. It is your support of our sponsors. It's your support of us that keeps us going and enables, you know, makes this all a possibility. And we really, truly enjoy it, even though it's not always easy, but we do enjoy it. 
Well said. Hope that you'll, uh, if, if you if you enjoy it as well, one little thing would be, other than supporting the sponsors, maybe maybe leaving a, re- a review on iTunes. If if you have that capability, if you got an iPhone and you can hop on iTunes, drop us a review in there. Hope that we can earn your five-star review of the podcast. It uh, certainly helps it uh, continue on. So with that, we will sign off and let you go. Well, I'll get back to driving, and Jacob, um, who knows, maybe he'll even take a nap. Don't count on that. <laughs> and so we're going to let you go, sign off for this episode. Episode 170. Man, it's awesome. So, folks, we remind you to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast